Hello and welcome to this edition of DMZ America. It is Wednesday, August 11th. I'm Scott Stantis talking to you from the right. And I'm Ted Rall talking to you from the left. So what do we got going today? Let's see now. We've got, uh, oh, the governor of New York did something. Well, he, he got something done to him. He is uh, he announced that he is going to resign effective two weeks from now, uh, roughly, or I should say what? 13 days now. Why two weeks? I mean, why not just bye-bye? Well, so like so much about Governor Cuomo, um, this is an unusual move, and it seems um, self-serving in some ways. But actually, I think anybody who's ever... Uh, had an employee quit precipitously on them can probably identify with it. I think he's kind of doing the right thing here. Um, you know, he's he knows how the coffee maker works. Uh, he has all the keys to the weird closets in the governor's mansion. I mean, all kidding aside, um, there's all sorts of projects that he's in the middle of. And I'd like to think that he's going to sit down with the incoming governor, currently the lieutenant governor, and that he will fill her in on uh, ongoing projects, COVID response. When he's not hitting on her. When he's not uh, groping her. Yeah, that, that should work. So, um, you know, it, it, it is unusual. Most of the time when a politician resigns in scandal, they're just gone, just like that. Um, sort of like in radio, right? Like in talk radio. Oh, yeah. They're on the air and then they're just gone. So. So I'm still, I'm, I, got to, I have to admit to being skeptical i know this will surprise you and our listeners uh, but i'm i'm cynical about this move thinking that he's hoping within two weeks some other big news story is going to overtake the cycle um so the, or maybe uh, there's a crisis you know uh yeah the or the COVID variant, variant yeah COVID variant gets worse you know I, and i can't possibly I can't leave now you need me yeah which of course is you know hogwash but there's that i don't know like i said i have a natural cynicism the other thing is I'm really getting sick and tired of hearing from my friends on the left, mostly like lockstep Democrats saying, see, Democrats are morally much more upright than Republicans because one of our guys gets caught doing this and he's gone. Well, firstly, he's not really gone yet, but he's saying he'll be gone. Uh, how much of that is born of uh, Clinton regret? The fact that they kowtow. And this guy, Bill Clinton, the more we know, the more we know that he was a more than a little rapey. Shall we say he was definitely look, I think, honestly, everybody who said, hey, it was just a blowjob, leave him alone, really owes um, a, a bunch of apologies, probably starting uh, with Juanita Broderick. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, she deserves a TED talk. Uh, she was she was treated abysmally by the media and Democrats who claim to care about women and women's rights. Uh, just don't have a lot to look back on during that period. I'd just like for the record to say, and you might remember this, Scott, that uh, I called repeatedly for Clinton to resign or be impeached. Uh, I was pro-Clinton impeachment, even though I did vote for Bill Clinton, uh, because he lied under oath. He was a lawyer. Uh, he shouldn't have done that. He didn't have to. There was no reason for him to, really. Uh, it's not like Hillary Clinton didn't know what he was up to. So, um, you know, I, I, I look back and I'm, I'm proud, but unfortunately, way too many people on the left, uh, you know, they just they run interference for their own side, just the way people on the right do. Right. And one of their their tack or their, their point is, of course, that with all of the grotesquities 
if that's a word. Grotesqueness. Yes, that. <laughs> of, well, they, they call them grotesques, but that's a different thing. Oh, that's a like a hundred years ago. Uh, like a, grot- a grotesque was like a type of literary form, sort of. Or and also grotesque hundreds of years ago was a non-functioning uh, gar- a gargoyle. Actually, serves a function it's supposed to help get rid of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a a grotesque is strictly decorative. It's like the you know the um that wonderful statue at Notre Dame with this devil oh, kind of sticking. Yeah, yeah. That that's a grotesque. So now now you've learned. See, we're <laughs> teaching people as we're going forward. Maybe so, not. They may are. They may already know this shit. Who knows? But is this? I mean, going back to the original question, is this just Clinton from our Democratic friends? Is this just um. You know, I, know. I mean, Scott, you're going to have to tease that out. I, I don't get it. What do you mean? What's the relationship between? Uh, because they did that, because they treated, because they were so abysmal, like you said, they, you know, they owe a lot of people a lot of apologies for defending Bill Clinton while he was president. Um, now that they're coming out and really going after someone like a, a like a, like a Governor Cuomo, like a, um, uh, Al Franken, like a, you know, it, it seems to have gone. Bigger, frankly, the Al Franken thing is bullshit. I'm just, going to go on the record and saying, I mean, as far as I know, I mean, let's put it this way. It doesn't, there's, there certainly wasn't enough evidence to destroy the man's political career, but that's a, that's an aside. Um, Yeah. I see where you're going. I think there may be, uh, you know, look, it's a different world now than it was in the late 1990s. Uh, You know, the Me Too movement has happened. There's uh, Monica Lewinsky has been rehabilitated, had a popular Ted talk. Uh, There's a, you know, there's more of a sense that, Democrats have to walk the walk, uh, not just talk the talk uh, when it comes to uh, respecting women. And it doesn't matter if you're an effective legislator or uh, executive. So um, I think that's true that Cuomo paid that price. Um, He was definitely, though, I think maybe more to the point, he was going to be impeached and the knives were coming out from under the togas. This was a battle he could not win. He knew it. And so everybody told him, including hilariously, Chris Cuomo, who said he was going to stop advising his brother, but he confessed uh, to a reporter, uh, as reported by the New York Post, just yesterday that he advised Governor <laughs> Cuomo to resign. So, you know, he just can't quit. Let me ask you this. Chris Cuomo, um, commentator, has his own show on CNN. You're Which is CNN. fucking ridiculous. Of course it is. It would be... <clears throat> It's absurd. Yeah, it'd be like Melania Trump having a show on Fox, which would, you know, you, you wouldn't be surprised. Would be ridiculous. But it'd be ridiculous. It would be totally ridiculous. Now he's taking a time off, right? Or a time off from the show. I yes, mean, if you're he's celebrating his uh, monumental 51st birthday uh, this week, that is. Well, who the- doesn't take time off to celebrate your 51st? A big five one. <laughs> Good Lord. So if you're at CNN, do you keep him around? Look, he never should have been fucking hired in the first place. I agree. They were total assholes to hire him. The conflict of interest is too big. Um, You know, look, he's a human being and I don't blame him as a human being for having, uh, you know, been loyal to his brother. I'm I'm loyal like that, too. But because of that, he never should have taken the job. It never should have been offered to him. And now it should go away. Um, He you know what happened and what he did proved that he didn't have his loyalty where it belonged, which was to the to the viewers. Um, when you're a journalist, uh, the viewers are your god. You don't care as much about your fa- your own mother as you do about telling the truth to the viewers. 
Uh, and that is just something that he didn't do, wasn't able to do. Uh, you know, maybe I couldn't do it, but the point is he didn't and he should go. Yeah, no, I agree. I was talking about this earlier on another uh, radio program. And, you know, I said the only way that he can read that they could in any way, shape or form rehabilitate him is he has to wash his hands of his brother. And I wouldn't expect anybody to do that to say, you know, that yes, what he did was horrible and awful. I love my brother, but what he did was the worst. He should resign, blah, blah, blah. He's not going to say, did you see the press conference with Cuomo? I mean, it was, he wasn't contrite. It was like, <sighs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I'm so. I'm, I guess I'm sorry. It's like talking to a five year old. You know, it's like I guess I'm sorry. It's like that's not an apology. No, it was a non apology apology. Although, frankly, that was wise. I mean, I've learned personally from my own career that one should never apologize. I've only apologized for a cartoon one time, and I wish I hadn't. Even though I was totally fucking wrong, totally screwed up. Uh, the apology was under human terms, totally right. But if I hadn't, uh, I would not have suffered as much. I would not have lost as many clients. Nothing bad would really have happened in America. Never apologize. Well, I think, Bob, you know, four years of Donald Trump show that you just double down and, and just yeah, say he's right. You know? No, I mean, he's totally it's weird. I mean, the guy was coming. Think about this for a moment, going through the, you know, just just in those four years he was president, he paid off. um two porn stars to keep him silent. And he was fined a million and a half dollars because he was stealing money from a charity. I mean, good God, if that doesn't disqualify you from high office, but apparently it doesn't. So maybe um, the Democrats have a point. They, they clean their own house, which they really don't, but now. Yeah. I, I think, look, the point is that people didn't really like Cuomo that much to begin with. Well, I wanted to ask you, you're in New York. I, I'm just shocked at how few elected officials in New York have stepped forward and said, Hey, listen, he's a good guy. I know, I know oh, him. he's not a good guy. I mean, the point is that, look, he was a thug before the pandemic. And what happened was inexplicably in an episode that no one should look back on with any kind of pride or joy was that uh, because there was a, a relative, well, I would say there was an absence of leadership from the, from the white house, but actually there was, fucked up, strange, bizarre uh, leadership from the White House, where you had a White House that uh, went full steam ahead on uh, Operation Warp Speed and miraculously pushed through this amazing vaccine regimen that we have today. Thank you, Donald Trump. I will say that. But then didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to encourage people to get vaccinated, and then didn't want people to wear masks, all of which, if he had not done, he would be president again still now. But because things were so batshit crazy out of D.C., uh, Cuomo stepped in with his fireside chats and his uh, pseudo-philosophical existential musings about the nature of life and the importance of family at a time when uh, hundreds of thousands of Americans were, were sick and dying. And it just caught on because out of the vacuum, you know, but yeah. then we forgot temporarily that, that he was an asshole. And then you know, New Yorkers knew he was an asshole. He was our asshole, but we knew he was an asshole. And now, uh, you know, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. He was an asshole. That, so we're, you know, the, it's kind of like when after 9-11, George W. Bush had a 90% approval rating and his speech on top of the uh, steaming pile, I called it the steaming pile speech, uh, was compared to Winston Churchill. And I was like, okay, you people are crazy. He's not as stupid as I used to say, but he ain't no Churchill.
No, but I thought that that moment standing on top of as you euphemistically call the steaming pile was pretty inspired. It really was. And it, it's what the country needed to see and hear at that moment. Well, that's what, like Cuomo yeah, during the pandemic. Yeah, but Cuomo, I mean, but, but, but the thing is, I mean, we got to change to a different subject in a minute. But the, the fact is, Cuomo killed a lot of old people because he did nothing yeah, he did. to stave and off. People don't get it. Well, people people are still talking about like, oh, it's the nursing home under undercounting, underreporting the deaths. Uh, you know, that's the cover up. But they're forgetting the main point, which is you had nursing homes that had no one with COVID in them, and then he had hospitals send elderly patients who had COVID nineteen yeah. to those nursing homes, and of course, obviously, it spread in those nursing homes. And people died as a result. So, yeah, there's a cover up. But let's not forget his decision, which was completely predictable. It condemned people to death. Yeah. It, totally, yeah. it wasn't one of those things like, well, now with the benefit of hindsight. No, no, no. He was he was completely I mean, any any idiot could have seen that this is exactly what would have happened. And it's unconscionable. I mean, he, he should go to prison for this, but you know, nothing's going to happen because it's just going to be one of those like, well, you know, it was an executive decision. You win some, you lose some. Maybe he'll join his brother on CNN. Or yeah. Yeah. No, I'm literally drawing about that right now. Are you Chris and Andrew? Yeah. MSN. Would you rather go to work at MSNBC or CNN? Yeah. Unbelievable. So, okay. So, Infrastructure bill. We talked. We've talked about this before. Infinitum. Yes. Maybe the listeners are already tired of it, and this is one of our <laughs> episodes. Scintillating. <laughs> but no, well, it is actually important shit. It's a big pro. It's a big subject, and I'll tell you why. Uh, from from my perspective, particularly um, from here on the right, it spends one over one billion dollars. The numbers are still kind of vacillating. No, no. Some no, think no, tanks no. are saying as little as five cents a dollar is actually going to roads and bridges. One you know, trillion, actually. right? With a T, you said billion. Oh, did I? Oh, I'm sorry. Trillion. Yeah, I'm just. Soon it will be quadrillion. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, they've uh, piggybacked a budget resolution, uh, a spending a spending plan by the Democrats for three and a half trillion dollars minimum, and they've made it a budget resolution, which is so it doesn't have so it's uh, effectively filibuster proof, and will just go forward. If they vote for the infrastructure bill, this thing rides with it. That's. Bullshit. I'm sorry. Three and a half trillion dollars coupled with another trillion dollars. I mean, pretty soon you're talking about real money here. And the debt that this is adding to the already massive debt that we have in this country. I mean, 10, almost 10% of the federal budget's going towards servicing the debt. Now that's 10% of them of a massive budget that could go towards schools or, uh, you know, you but, name but it. But wouldn't. And anyway, part of this is going to go to schools. I mean, infrastructure uh, rebuilding does include some schools. Well, we're going to find out because there has also been no transparency on this. And you can tell it, it, it upsets me. There's been no transparency on this process. You know that the 12 Republicans they brought on to make it, you know, uh, bipartisan. These guys yeah. are bought off. There's going to be like, you okay. know, but Mitch yeah, McConnell up- High School is going to be built somewhere in Kentucky, right? I mean. Well, Scott, That's, you, threw, you threw a lot out there. And I, I, I think, look, first and foremost, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, um, you know, you're, you and your fellow uh, conservatives are, are worried about deficit spending. And I'm not going to get into the whole fact that deficit spending doesn't seem to matter to conservatives. 
when it's time no. to invade other countries or give tax cuts to the world. I agree more. And I actually cartooned about that even under the George That's W. True. Bush administration. You, I have been a deficit hawk my entire career. You have been on the side of the angels on this issue. Um, and but you know, um, but um, so that's why I'm not going to pick on you on that. But there is definitely <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. But there's definitely, I think, a need to understand that uh that that the that, that these oh my god, I'm totally losing my train of thought between stations here. Um maybe it's just that the topic <laughs> is so fucking exciting. Uh, no, 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 here it is. I remember Thomas Malthus, right? Malthusianism is the, uh, is based on the idea that the world is overly populated and we're all going to die because we're all going to starve because there's not enough food to feed everyone. Thomas Malthus lived in the late, in the late 1700s and he thought that we were on the way out, right? Well, obviously the world's population has increased exponentially ever since. And even though hunger continues to be a problem, we have not starved ourselves to death as a species. Malthus was clearly wrong. The deficit hawks are clearly like that too. Uh, the United States has been sinking into debt uh, ever since FDR. Uh, the debt keeps skyrocketing. But And I don't doubt that theoretically there is some sort of upper limit here and that we are definitely talking about numbers that are staggering. I mean, in our lifetimes, um, you know, once the idea of a $1 trillion national debt like started, uh, you know, that was a lot. We were shocked. That was a long time ago. Now we're talking about individual pieces of legislation that are a trillion dollars or more each. So it is these are staggering sums, uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, we're not going to be able to handle it economically um, just on the, you know, the future income that's coming in to the, the federal coffers, right? I mean, I, I think that's an important thing to realize. We may not go bankrupt, but I think a better question is, do we, if we spend this money, what are we gonna get out of it? And I think we're gonna get, for every trillion dollars we put in, we're gonna get more than a trillion dollars back in terms of exponential growth that's gonna come from new infrastructure that's, you know, you build a bridge somewhere, you connect two places, uh, those two places generate more economic activity. Um, and, you know, it's it, you build a train between two places. Same thing. It's not just about building it. It's the fact that once it's there, it makes a lot of economic activity occur and trade and so on that otherwise wouldn't have been possible. Such an inefficient way to, to stimulate an economy, such an inefficient way to spend money. Um, again, I come back to the transparency on this uh, issue. And I mean, this this bill... Ted, I mean, it's crazy. They actually have a breathalyzer. Part of the bill is that ins, uh, insisted on and part of is having breathalyzers in every car. So you have a minimum of the money actually going to, you know. That's going to change my Friday and Saturday nights. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you have, you know, the money going towards like roads and bridges, which, okay, you and I could probably agree that that's the purview of government to, to, to underwrite those things. But it's not going to that. And so now you're going to have to, to have the privilege of driving on shitty roads and bridges. You have to blow into a tube first. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, look, there is a lot of stuff in there, and I'm going to say the Democrats have kind of been very—I don't say this often—clever here um, because they have managed to basically do whatever they want, and they just define it as infrastructure. Uh, you know, yeah. so it's like, oh, I don't know, uh, tax cuts 
for editorial cartoonists. Uh, well, you know, cartoonists are infrastructure. Um, everything is infrastructure now. So uh, it's, look, transparency is where you, you know, really, I have serious common ground with you on this. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, like in India, they announced the federal budget every year. It's a massive federal budget because it's such a huge country. And every single line item is printed in the newspaper and announced on national television one by one and thoroughly discussed, not just by legislators, but but by the people themselves. I like that a lot. I also think, um, I honestly think this would probably be a, a longer topic for another time, but uh, I think government should be radically transparent. I think yeah. every yes. single yes. meeting should be uh, live cast. I don't think uh, I think if a, uh, a lobbyist meets with a senator, that should be uh, required to be live cast on the Internet uh, and it should be stored for people to watch. It should not be possible for uh, someone who is receiving a government salary to have a secret meeting unless it relates directly to national security. Um, I'm going to leave the subject on this and we're going to go into some, your absolute wheelhouse and I will defer to your superior knowledge because you've actually been there. But in conclusion on budget matters and peer trend, uh, Calvin Coolidge, they just, you know, a best-selling biography came out. I'm sending it to you, by the way, Ted. That'd awesome. be, um, and it's really, I mean, it sounds like, oh my God, a biography of Calvin Coolidge. It's really interesting. <laughs> But he was a very straightforward and so honest that every morning for at least an hour, an hour and a half, he would meet with the treasury secretary and they would go through the federal budget line by line. And I've had people say, I don't want my president doing that. I go, that is exactly what I want my president to be doing. I would love for the president to be going line by line through the budget saying, oh my God, the, you know, the department. All the congressmen and senators who voted for the USA Patriot Act without ever having read it. Well, and this the well, and also the uh, infrastructure bill is twenty eight hundred pages. They didn't read it. They didn't have no idea what's in it, except what's coming to their districts. So the last subject we're going to talk about Afghanistan. Boy, that turned that was twenty years of that worked out great. Treasure, my God, what a what a what a score for America! If only there had been some people who had said <laughs> from the very beginning that this was not going to end well. Um, I have to. I have to jump in real quick and say, Ted said this. He's not kidding. From the very beginning of the war, he said, this was a mistake. We're going to get mired. I was on the other side. And I don't say this with As a was everyone else. I don't say this with any pride or anything. I had the eagle with the bombs and the talons and all the other you know, stuff, bullshit. Um, but Ted, to his credit, from the very beginning was saying this. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, Ted. I just wanted to say it. Give you you can always interrupt me to, uh, to, to, to sing my humble praises. So Not 20 years later, what is it? Almost a trillion dollars spent there. Two trillion dollars, actually, by some accounts. How many, how many U.S. lives? How many and more? Just as important. Hard to count, but looks like about 7,000 American troops killed, many tens of thousands wounded or psychologically damaged, PTSD, uh, of course, uh, by some accounts, as many as 100,000 Afghans, uh, civilians killed. Um, so it's it's been a shit show. And what do we get for it? Well, so, uh, well, before September 11th, 2001, the Taliban controlled 90 plus percent of the country, not including Badakhshan province in the far northeastern border with China. And now, uh, within a week or two, they will control about 90 plus percent of Afghanistan, but including Badakhshan province, 
which well, how did how did they do that? The way out. I, actually, I, you know, as an Afghan watcher, I am shocked by that because it was Badakhshan is the uh, province that was the last capital of the Northern Alliance uh, before that before they were going to lose the entire country, uh, and they would have if not for 9/11 and the U.S. intervention. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's shocking to anybody who watches Afghanistan. Also. Uh, shocking was to see uh, that Rashid Dostum's forces were routed over the last few days. Rashid Dostum is the most notorious violent warlord in uh, Afghanistan, going back to the uh, Soviet uh, anti-Soviet jihad. Uh, he's the reason that Kabul was leveled to the ground personally. Uh, he personally has killed tens of thousands of people. Um, and the fact that his People were uh, have have fled uh, the Taliban front lines. Is you know that's a big that's a big statement. Uh, Kunduz and Talakan, which people who read my books to Afghanistan and back, and after we kill you, we will welcome you back as honored guests. Will remember those were my big stomping grounds in two thousand one and again in two thousand ten. Uh, those are now under Taliban control. Those are very important uh, conduits to the Tajik and Uzbek borders. Uh, which are very strategically important. It's hard to see how the central government keeps Kabul now. Let me uh, jump in and ask you, Ted, to tell the listeners why you know these things, why you're qualified to talk about them. Um, well, I've been a bunch of times. Um, so I to Afghanistan. To Afghanistan, yeah. So uh, I went in 2000, 2001, and 2010. And uh, so I've sort of seen... It under Taliban control. I've seen it as the Taliban fell the first time. And then I saw it right sort of, at, I would say, at the peak of Northern Alliance control, uh, right around the time that Obama had actually announced that he was pulling out. That was 10 years ago that we were supposed to be gone when Obama announced. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, we've, we've announced numerous times that we were getting out. Um, and of course, obviously, we never do. So, okay. So, and you've written. How many books on the subject, Silk Road two and a half, Ruins? Two and a half books about it. Yeah, Silk Road to Ruins about Central Asia. Uh, I wrote Gas War uh, about the Afghanistan pipeline project. Uh, and uh, to Afghanistan and back is probably my best known book about that. Um, it was about the U.S. invasion in 01. And then after we kill you, we will welcome you back as honored guests. So, yeah. So, I mean, you've got some serious Afghan street cred here. Um, so... We're also hearing that the Taliban is going to take Kabul in what the next two weeks. Um, no, they're saying within ninety days, but that that's a Pentagon assessment. And you know, look, Pentagon assessments can be right or wrong, but <laughs> the trend is what I find interesting. They had been just a week or two ago. Uh, they've been telling the Washington Post they believed that Kabul could possibly hang on another six months. Now the same folks uh, are saying under ninety days. Uh, you know, when, as Kabul goes, uh, then that's it. Um, the, the Taliban are currently also have choked off income to the central government. Uh, that's not a small thing because they control now the key border crossings with Pakistan, uh, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and Iran. Um, and uh, that's that means that all the, the, the trade revenues, all the border duties are tens of millions of dollars a week are pouring into the coffers of the Taliban rather than the central government. So they don't have U.S. air support. They don't have weapons. Uh, the weapons are being used up. Uh, I was reading a report 
out of uh, Talakan that uh, the fight, the Northern Alliance troops were running away because they had run out of food and they were too hungry to fight. Wow. So, okay. So let's project forward Kabul falls. We've got a uh, Taliban run Afghanistan again. Yeah. What does that look like? Well, it's going to be a different Taliban. First of all, they're, they're different guys, uh, and that can be good and that can be bad. Uh, the t- in 2000, when I went the first time, Afghanistan was like the 14th century. It didn't have a single inch of paved road, didn't have a single phone, didn't have an electrical grid. It didn't even have uh, people. There weren't the, the streets didn't have names. There were no numbers on the houses. Everything was Adobe. Um, there was, uh, it was the 14th century, literally. Um, there was no infrastructure whatsoever. Um, thanks to 20 years of U.S. occupation uh, and a lot of uh, economic stimulus as a result of it, uh, Afghanistan is definitely a developing country or has been up until now. And so there's been some cultural changes. Uh, there's even LGBTQ uh, people living openly in Kabul and in Mazari Sharif. Um, oh goodness. What happens to them? It's not going to be good for them. Uh, I think the cultural changes are going to be reminiscent of what happened in uh, from 1996 to 2001. Uh, there's going to be, you know, lashings and stonings of people who don't fit in. Uh, but the but I don't think they're going to destroy the infrastructure. In other words, they're not. They're taking over the goose that lays the golden egg, and they're not going to. They might. They might mistreat the goose a little bit. But they want to run the country. That these Taliban want to be part of the international community. They want to have a seat at the UN. They want to have diplomatic relations with the rest of the world. So even though they're they're going to be Sharia law fundamentalists, uh, it's not going to be as brutal as it was the first time around. But it will be brutal. It'll feel more like northern Pakistan or maybe like Saudi Arabia, but with less money. Um, so. I think that's kind of the best way to think about it. Fascinating. Yeah. And I, like I said, I've, I backed the war. I supported the war. Um, but then after, you know, two decades, you kind of get to say, wait, we're still there. Well, we had okay. no reason to be there in the first place. So uh, I'm glad that we're out. I mean, I, I applaud president Biden's decision to honor. Um, and I, I, again, I give credit. I like to give credit where it's due. Um, I really applaud president Trump for having, opened negotiations with the Taliban, something that neither Obama nor Bush had done in any kind of serious way, so that the U.S. is finally out of it. Let the, let the Afghans settle their own affairs. If Afghan women are going to li- be liberated um, and uh, other Afghans are going to liberate themselves from the Taliban, they're going to have to do it themselves or it's not going to stick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, don't ever see that happening because, well, it hasn't didn't before unless a major world power comes and says, knock that crap off. Um, okay, well, that about wraps it up for us uh, here at um, DMZ America. I'm Scott Stantis coming from the right. And I've been Ted Rawl coming from the left. <laughs> uh, Scott, where can uh, the good people listening uh, find your stuff for the Chicago Tribune? And uh, Right, you can go either, either to the ChicagoTribune.com and go to the opinion section. You can go to, better yet, go to GoComics.com slash Scott Stantis or slash Prickly City. And uh, check the stuff out there because I literally get pe- pennies for every like million views. Uh, yes, yeah, so we need those pennies. Uh, Pr- Prickly City. How about you, Ted? Uh, Prickly City is uh, Scott's comic strip, 
which, unlike most comics, actually just keeps getting better over the years. Oh, thank you. Well worth reading. Um, uh, it's, it gets into a lot of left versus right type stuff. And it's very existential, which I like a lot. I actually mentioned Ted in one of the comments. I forgot to tell you. I'll surprise you now. You're, you're actually mentioned by name again in the comic strip. No way. When? It's coming up in two and a half weeks. Okay. I will, I will, when we have it drawn up, we'll, I'll send it to you. That's awesome. I can't wait to. So where can people see your uh, stuff? Too? Uh, so people can just go to my website, rawl.com, R-A-L-L.com. And they can also check out whowhatwhy.org. I have a cartoon in there once a week that comes out on Saturdays and uh, they can find myself at sputniknews.com also twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's so cool. Well, again, until next time, folks, this is the DMZ America podcast with Ted Rawl, Scott Stannis. We'll see you next time.